Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Shug Me Lamuni, episode 16. Uh, we are recording on Sunday, August 30th, 2020. Of course, I'm here, joined by Shug. Yes, sir. And of course, also, we have Joel. Hola, mi gente. Okay, so today we're going to talk about uh, a, lot of, a lot of hot topics in the past week. Uh, today's Sunday. Uh, a week ago today, um, there was an incident, uh, another uh, police shooting, and it off a chain reaction that would last, obviously, the whole week, and, and it's still, you know, obviously, still going on today. So we're going to talk about all the details about that, and we're going to get uh, Shug's opinion, Joel's opinion. And at the same time, the uh, Republicans had their Republican National Convention simultaneously with all these events that were unfolding. So we're going to break that down as well. And uh, sadly, uh, Friday night, we got the news uh, that actor Chadwick Boseman was, uh, lost his battle with uh, cancer. Uh, so we're going to also talk about that and uh, talk about our memories of uh, all his movies and his performances. And uh, we're going to get Joel's opinion and Shog's opinion on his, his, uh, how he's going to be remembered going forward. All right. So uh, in the past week, um, a gentleman by the name of Jacob Blake, I'm pretty sure a lot of people listening have seen the video already and have seen the fallout from it. Um, apparently, he was breaking up a fight, I think, with two women. And the police were called. And they followed him to his, um, they followed him to his car and he was attempting to go back into, to, to go into his car. I don't know if he was trying to flee or, you know, or his kids were actually in the car. So maybe he was just checking on his kids, making sure that they were safe and all of this. And, you know, rather than de-escalate the situation, and or and or tase him um the police there in um kenosha wisconsin a town about you know um um a little bit away from milwaukee wisconsin um he was shot in the back seven times and you know within the first couple of days you know people were just really praying that he would pull through and Fortunately, he did, but unfortunately for him, he's now paralyzed, I believe, from the waist down. And um, this led to, of course, a lot more um, protesting, you know, which has still been going on since um, George Floyd's death and Breonna Taylor's death. And um, protests in our national sports leagues, um starting with the NBA, then Major League Baseball, and then um, the WNBA also um, along with the NBA, uh, MLS, all these different sports leagues. And it actually led to the NBA players, the Milwaukee Bucks, as I said, also in Wisconsin, you know, the closest team to um, Kenosha, responding by, you know, not taking a court um, just before tip-off on Wednesday against the Orlando Magic in a playoff game down there in the NBA bubble. And then more teams started to follow suit until the games were postponed and they called it um, a boycott, but it was more of a strike. 
and the initiative was to get the the initiative was to get the the owners involved and to bring national attention to another um instance of police brutality which is far common for um a lot of black males in this country so guys um what did you guys think about it um mike right uh when you uh when you described the situation on sunday how it unfolded uh you used the, the word i was thinking about de-escalation uh you know the police are there to in a it was domestic disturbance call that's why they were there uh three minutes after they arrived uh blake was already he was shot seven times from behind three you know three minutes don't you need more time to like figure out what's going on uh it's like they're it's like they're being um i don't want to use aggressive but like they're being very offensive opposed to what they should be doing which is just uh, scene control and just figure out what's going on because obviously it's a hot maybe something was going on for a long time and the guy's like heated and stuff and he's just trying to you know just relax and they just go from zero to a hundred and you know you know it's they're like being very very uh really offensive now uh, and then like right away when the protesters started right away like hundreds gathered uh immediately after like hearing about it and the first response was to send like national guard they sent like 125 national guard uh, then, then the next day they wanted more, uh, and today, like this weekend, they want a thousand. Uh, they have like they had, they send trucks out there just to like, you know, that they, they were prepared for this to happen. Like that that's said, where it's like, all right, this is probably going to happen again, so let's be prepared to uh, distinguish, you know, uh, deal with like the obvious like reaction to it, which is going to be protesting and then sadly like rioting. So. It seems like it's now it's like a normal thing now that's been happening in the last couple of months. Yeah, and yeah. I also I also forgot to mention in the pro in in during the protests, um, like Mike mentioned, the National Guard were called. You know, obviously the police had to bring out all their military gear and stuff like that. But um, a lot of armed militia, mostly if not all white, showed up to you know basically take part in quote-unquote helping the police or helping to protect property and in uh there was a young white male who was part of one of these armed militias who um killed uh two people and injured another person shooting them um and he actually wasn't even a resident of kenosha he was from illinois and he, you know, he he drove or was driven to Kenosha, and it's crazy because we talk about a guy getting shot in the back seven times. Um, right after there's video right after he shot these three people, killing two, him walking towards the police with his hands in the air while you know still holding his assault rifle. Seventeen years old, my, by the way. Um, which is a and, crime. Exactly. He's not, he's not supposed to, not supposed to uh, have, especially you know that that uh, assault rifle like under eighteen. Yeah, and he he's walking towards the police, and they don't like you know tackle him or try to disarm him. He just walks by them like, 
And, you know, I guess in his head, he was like, you know, I'm white, so I'll be all right. And, yeah, and this, this guy, and then, like, Tucker Carlson's on his show, like, talking about him like he's, like, Batman or something. And it's just, it's crazy how, you know, it works, like, um, the the racism in this country and, like, the white privilege is just, just incredible. But, Joel, you, what do you think hearing all of this? Um. First of all, it's like just uh, this is like going on, like I said, like all year. It's kind of like it's just all century, all two centuries, all four centuries. It's, it's also more present because uh, of social media. Like it's more in our face. Like now it's immediate. But my thing is, is like, I, like I'm not even like shocked no more. Honestly, it's almost like I'll be shocked if anything happens to the the police. Like obviously, you know they've been a uh, you know, their regular desk duty or suspension, like they always, that's the regular, but I'll be shocked if like, you know, anything happens to them at this point. Like, like sadly, it's almost like I'm expecting, like my anxiety is like, all right, what's gonna happen next month or even like October? That's like, you know, the sad part about it, how this year is going on. Cause it's basically like, um, and again, like sadly he was paralyzed got shot seven times, paralyzed, his kids was in the car. One of those bullets could have struck his kid and then it would have been a whole different story. But, um, and like, you know, like you said, Mike, it's like three minutes isn't enough for you to just automatically start shooting at somebody. Like, you gotta deescalate the situation. I don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. you know? That's just the sad, uh, you know, sad part about how this year has been going or like this period, how we've been treated as, you know, Latinos and, African-American yeah. for no reason. Yeah, it's like school shootings now. It's like you're so, like, desensitized to it that you forget, like, these are actual, like, human lives being lost. But it's so much, it happens so consistently and, like, little to none is being done. So that's why I got to go back to the protests. So MLB, I mean, NBA, first of all, started it. So what I was hoping for was, like, you know, it was going to be a full-on boycott or a strike, and they just weren't going to play until the owners, because that's what, that's another thing that came, I was, I was looking at Twitter while all this was going on, where the, um, people were saying, what do they expect the owners to do, and my thing is, like, these owners, they're big-time donors to politicians, um, you know, they always seem to be able to get politicians, their, sen- their senators, their governors, their um, representatives, the president. Well, not the president so much for this, but they, they tend to get legislation, legislators ears when they need public funding for their stadiums, public funding to um, build parking lots, public, um, whenever they need people to get moved out of an area where they want to build a stadium, um, all of these different things. So you're telling me you can't do more for like social justice reform. Um, in that regard, like you can get in touch with, um, politicians and, and, and make like actual change. Um, but what came from it, they, they went on strike at like three o'clock um on Wednesday and they were basically off of strike at 11 o'clock on Thursday 
And all they really got from it was that now, like, these all the arenas where the teams play are now going to be voting places um, come November. And they're going to do all these initiatives to, to, to get people to vote. And to me, I, I think it's a height of bullshit because it goes it, – it's basically essentially saying, like, all these people got to do is, like, vote. And, you know, in reality, all we do is we vote for people, we vote for people, and then – they have, you know, however long their terms are, they sit on their hands and do nothing and talk and talk and talk. And then when they, when it's time for re-election, then it's, you got to vote, you got to vote, you got to give me more time to do this. And then they still don't do shit. So I don't understand what voting causes. To me, like the more, um, to me, a lot, if the NBA players um meant to get a lot more done what they could have done was decided to boycott or strike until um Elijah McLean's um murderers out there in Colorado are brought to justice and Breonna Taylor's murderers out there in Louisville Kentucky are brought to justice and you know the attorney general out there or the attorney generals in both places, the NBA owners, all these guys are like billionaires. You know, you could basically say, all right, listen, you bring these guys to justice or, you know, when your re- when your reelection comes up, we'll throw our money behind your opponent or we're going to throw our money behind somebody who's actually going to prosecute these people instead of, um, you know, sitting on that, sitting on your hands. You know, I think that would have been a stronger statement. And dare I say, I feel that MLB, oddly enough, did a better job in their protesting by, um, you know, because obviously the, the MLB base is far more white than it is um, for the NBA. So they made a bigger statement by, you know, a lot of these guys would just, they, you know, flat out refuse to play games and you know i hate to give credit to the houston astros you know being a yankee fan and you know obviously in lieu of the 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 shit they've done you know with the cheating but i gotta give them and the oakland a's credit they all came came out lined up on the baselines um on jackie robinson day ironically enough that's another thing i said i was like you know baseball only clears about black lives one day out of year and that's jackie robinson day and that black life that matters died um, 49 years ago. But, you know, they came out and they laid out a Black Lives Matter shirt on home plate and went back into the dugout and they postponed the game. So, you know, that's that's one way um, to do things. And I'm, I'm proud of baseball for handling that. But like I said, I also, you know, being able to vote in a large arena, because imagine every game these guys get like fifteen to 20,000 people coming into, you know, that arena, you know, for people to just come in, go through security at Madison Square Garden or the Barclays Center, you know, a place like New York, you know, that's 40,000 people at a time. You could come in, get them to vote and stuff like that. It's huge, but I feel like a lot more could have came out of this from the NBA protests. Mike, right. and, yeah, and the response like a couple of days later, and the whole thing with the arena, 
uh, I feel you. Well, you said like, well, the voting thing is great and everything, but what's it going to lead to? But just just for the here and now, uh, the ability for people to physically vote. That's like a major issue. That's like one of the things with the post office where everyone's talking about. Uh, but if you're physically there, and plus if it's in like a uh, major arena, sadly uh, it might be uh, less chance of intimidation, uh, like a smaller poll, um, less intimidation. Like let's say you're working and you only have like an hour or two, you got to pick your kids up after work and everything, and you see the line, and the line at your polling station is like down the block. You might say, "Ah, screw it. Who, who cares?" Now at least people are going to be a little more. Uh, not excited, but like the big art, this, this larger presence of like security, positive security, not like an intimidation factor. Uh, but also during the week, of course, there was the violence and we all saw that on social media and then a lot of people saw it on like, their cable news. And of course, uh, there's a response from one side, more like the right side saying, look at, look at this violence, you know, like who can, you know, and then they would like, they would, um, talk down about the victim and then just like, and it would like bring up like his past and stuff and like, Oh, who cares and stuff. But at the same time, you have a peaceful protest with the, with the athletes and they have the same response. We're like, Oh, they're millionaires. You know, they're like, whatever, whatever, who cares what they think. And they should just dribble the ball. Like that famous quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, bottom line is it, there's no way to meet up. There's no way to have like a, uh, you know, uh, meet in the middle anywhere because it's so like divisive now yeah you know, and then, yeah and then um jared kushner ironically enough he's like you know he be I, I can't remember his whole clue but he's basically like implying that the athletes were they're entitled and they basically just took a night off and it's not gonna um it's not going to bring like real change. And it was just ironic coming from him being like, you know, a, basically a, um, a, a brat, you know, a, um, a rich trust fund baby. But, you know, it's, it's interesting with the athletes because I remember I was working with a friend of mine um, way back when uh, Colin Kaepernick did his, when he was kneeling and protesting. And I remember he was one of them people that was like, Oh, like, you know, he's a millionaire. What kind of um, um, what kind of uh, discrimination does he face? And I basically explained to him, I'm like, listen, like I could go outside of the store right now and protest, and that protest is getting no further than the front of the store, and I'm basically out of a job, you know, because obviously our company would have fired us, would have fired me, um, for doing that on company time. But when you're a prominent athlete like these NBA players are, and you do something like that, it re- it it reaches a wide base, not only like in the U.S. but globally because basketball is the second most popular sport in the world behind soccer. So you're reaching that global audience, and you know illuminating the issues facing this country to the world. And I mean, in Trump's America, he probably doesn't care about America's standing with the world, but, you know, it's very important how the world views us if we're supposed to be this, you know, the last remaining superpower um, globally. But if you don't take care of, you can't really shoot stones when you live in a glass house. And that's been the history, history of America.
But Joel, I didn't really get to to let you speak, so I'm just. Nah, it's all good. Yeah, it's all good. All right, it's like you guys make good points. Up, like honestly, I don't find it like anything that these you know the sports is doing is to me is a good thing, honestly, because there's been a you know like a player you know Roberto Clemente comes to mind. He you know died a humanitarian, still played the game and died a humanitarian, but he did none of that for exposure. He did it just because he wanted to. So, you know, it's just, like, refreshing, honestly, because a lot of these athletes, you know, obviously with their millions of dollars and, you know, and just their lavish lifestyles, at least, you know, the least they could do is show some type of, you know, camaraderie. So the fact that they protested along with, you know, the, the, you know obviously everybody else who doesn't um, play sports or just not even that involved in politics like me, you know, I can't really judge anybody for how they protest or why they protest. But for the most part, you know, I appreciate that at least they're doing something. Yeah. Right. And that, the word I was looking for, mm-hmm. like compromise yeah. uh, in, in America right now. Uh, you got the left, like, let's just say like far left and the far right. Um, and then we have uh, like 90% like just watching now. It's like, what are we going to do? Because it's just, like this crazy violence. And it's escalating more because we saw, of course, with the Kyle, uh, the 17-year-old, uh, who eventually was arrested in his hometown. Uh, <laughs> it was like the next day or yeah. later on, like a couple of days later or the next day. And then I saw footage last night. Um, yeah. And, you know, freshen up and everything. Not dragged out. Um, yeah, but then there was uh, a scene um, – and I wish uh, it was last night. It was like right before I fell asleep, but it was just crazy imagery. Uh, maybe it was Portland. Uh, not hundred percent sure, but there was people in the streets and two trucks with the American flag and like the Trump flag, like zoom past and uh, like people were being pushed. Like they're going like really like, like 20 miles, per, like 30 miles per hour uh, from like pressing the gas. And these people were pushing it back. And uh, while they were in their trucks, they were spraying, you know how like, like in the summertime, they would spray things for like mosquitoes. Yeah, you know, like they would spray on the truck, but it was like it was like pepper spray. They were like spraying it while they were flying around, and it seemed very professional. It was like military, you know, style, and they were just like running people over. And uh, we saw that five years ago, like just running people over in the street. And it was like, uh, maybe it's a coincidence, but like there's like, no cops here because they feel they feel threatened now because like, there's all the violence and stuff and. Now it's just like it's like a it's like a crazy scene from a freaking post-apocalyptic, you know, like a freaking dystopian thing. It's like I don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of months, but I mean, up until the election, uh, it's going to keep escalating, sadly, you know. Yeah, and then, but then uh, let's see what happens. From, you know. Yeah, and then the sheriff out there in Kenosha, like he basically, so he basically phrased it as you know the, when he's talking about this kid killing these um two people and injuring um another he was like you know he he came out Kyle Rittenhouse by the way yeah Kyle Rittenhouse he came out there to like make things right I think that was his his verbiage and he was basically blaming like those three people that got shot on the fact that they were um out past they you know they 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 were protesting past like the the curfew so he's basically, you know, blaming the victims for protesting rather than, like, admonishing 
or um, Kyle Rittenhouse. Also, um, a lot of the people that knew the two victims that were fatally uh, killed, um, they were saying that they weren't even like politically minded. Um, maybe in, like in more recently they became, but like one guy, like they were saying he was just out. So you're saying that you can't even be out anymore. You're not even protesting. You're just a person in the street. Like, like they have the thing where like people in like restaurants, like they're just there and then they're getting brought into something that they're like trying to, uh, they have like, they don't know what's going on. And then like they're being dragged in now. And it's like, no one's safe, like no matter what. Uh, yeah. And then a lot of people and, you know, with the sports protests, like a lot of people are starting to show their true colors. Like um, when they protested, in MLS, uh, Real Salt Lake, um, one of their teams or one of their clubs, the owner closed or locked the players out of, like, the practice facility the next day for, like, protesting. And then it was, like, it came to light that, like, you know, the owner might have, like, been a bigot because um, he used terms like, you know, um, let's lynch this guy. And there was a player who... um, he was injured, so he had to watch the game from, like, a suite with his family. So he had on a hoodie. He threw on his hoodie and went on the elevator, and he was on the elevator with the owner, and he put his hoodie down, and the owner said, oh, it's you. I thought you were one of those thugs or something like that. So, you know, that that guy, you know, they're, they're trying to get out of there. And then um, Brian Erlacher, Hall of Fame linebacker, um, he had like an Instagram story where he was saying like, you know, Brett Favre, interestingly enough, because Brett Favre had like very um, intelligent things to say about kneeling um, the other day, but he used Brett Favre um, playing on Monday Night Football after his father died, you know, saying that he did that, but NBA players take a night off. Um, or these entitled, like, NBA players took the night off because a guy they don't even know. Because that's what he did. He said he was a rapist, um, Jacob Blake, um, because a rape, rapist um, uh, resisted arrest or something like that. So, fuck Brian Urlacher. And I think a lot of his former teammates um, echoed that sentiment, too. Um, and admonishing him for posting that. Well, also, uh, the Chicago Bears made a statement. You know, obviously, Urlacher was a Chicago Bear, and they were like, we're going to do all we can to, you know, promote social justice and everything. So they they came out. They didn't just, like, let this guy like, go off the hook and everything. Because he's obviously one of the like, top five Bears, you know, prominent Bears of all time. And, I mean, it, it's all, it just shows you, like, you got to open a dialogue. Because I remember um, – uh, it's crazy because, like we said, we're so desensitized to it that um I can't even remember which killing it was, but I remember I made some Facebook posts, um, and you know, de- detailing um about three interaction bad interactions I've had with the police, um, here and in Pennsylvania and. You know, I went into detail and like a very good friend of mine, one of my, my best friends ever, um, his aunt, well, he, he, he commented on it or he reposted it. And then his aunt commented on it. And mind you, I gave three very 
detailed interactions with the police where, you know, it was a bad experience because of like the color of my skin. And his aunt responded to it like, oh, well, when he's in trouble, then he, he should call somebody else. Don't call the police if they're that bad or something like that. And, you know, it just goes to show you like, you know, a lot of people are just like tone deaf. And until you have that like dialogue, until, you know, people um, listen, they're not going to understand. Like, you know, Mike, you being a white person, like you listen to us. You know what I'm saying? And hear us out and, and instead of like, oh, that can't be it. That can't be it. Like, and I, that's that's what a lot of people do. And until like we get from that and we have like a, you know, intelligible conversation about race and how black people are treated, you know, like I, like the, the, the great irony of, you know, there being a video of a black man getting shot in the back seven times after breaking up a fight and then in the protest of him getting shot a white kid with a big old gun with a big old gun just walking past police like nothing happened um it it, it just that's 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 the whole issue in a nutshell and the fact that you have video of both you have video video of both of those things and there's still people denying that this is a racist country and there's such a there's no such thing as white privilege. It just astounds me. All right. Well, we spoke about everything that happened last week. Um, the fallout from Jacob Blake. And at the same time, the Republicans were holding their RNC, the Republican National Convention, uh, mainly in Washington, D.C. They had uh, four nights. Each night had a different theme. And like any typical uh, convention, uh, it was virtual. They had people there, but it was virtual. So basically it was, uh, they had the main speakers and they had guests. And uh, I watch it, you know, I like to gather all the information I can get. Uh, I had it on in the background, but I also, when anything came up, I would check it out. Uh, I saw all four nights and I understand, uh, Shug, uh, you, you know a few things that happened at the highlights. You, you check them out, right? Yeah, anything that came across that I didn't like, uh, I um, commented on, um, which was a lot. <laughs> right. And, uh, Joel, you, uh, I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to give you some quotes, too, both you guys. And uh, I just want to see uh, how, you, how you respond to it and, like, how, what it makes you feel. Uh, it's just a couple of quotes. And it's very different when you actually watch the speeches. Uh, but I'm going to start off with night one. Night one. They had three main speakers. One was former South Carolina governor and former UN ambassador to Trump. So basically uh, what she, what she was talking about was the uh, America on the world stage. Cause she was the ambassador for the UN, of course. Uh, then they had Senator Tim Scott, who was an appointee of Nikki Haley, who was this, the governor of South Carolina, former governor. Uh, he's a Senator of current Senator uh, also happens to be a black man. So, uh, he spoke about uh, a lot of racial issues. And then we had good old Donald Trump Jr., uh, you know, Trump's favorite. Um, he went off. And speaking of Donald Trump Jr., I'm sure, I'm sure both of you know, uh, saw the meme. So the show opened up with Kimberly uh, Guilfoyle. 
and she turned into a meme instantly. She became Rita <laughs> Power Rangers. You guys saw that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Joel, you you probably seen it on my my Instagram um my Instagram post on it. Yeah, I've seen it. I mean, like, it, she started off like she's in a, a little studio, pretty much. They've been in a studio like in the White House area, and she's like shouting her lungs out. And you, you if you're trying to get people's attention, that's the wrong way because like you just hear shouting and you don't hear what she's actually you you hear but you don't listen. Mm-hmm. He actually is the current girlfriend of Donald Trump Jr. Donald Trump Jr.'s marriage came to an end two years ago. They both uh, now, they both sounded and looked like they did like um like Tony Montana amounts of oh. like cocaine before they they both spoke. But continue, Michael. No, I thought the same thing. I'm like it feels like uh what do you call that uh house of cards like weird house of cards stuff going on in D.C. with them. Uh, she's actually also the ex-wife of uh, Governor Newsom of California. Is he a, a Republican or a Democrat? That's what I'm, I'm on. He is one of the enemies of... He's a super Democrat. San oh. Francisco. So that's a... Gavin, yeah. That's, a, that's um. Uh, no, but I think she was a Fox correspondent. So she was in New York and he was in San Francisco. That's Well, that's more of a... A past thing. Well, now she was talking about. Uh, she, she's a, a first generation. Her mother's from uh, Puerto Rico and, and her father's from Ireland. So she's kicked it off talking about, uh, you know, the uh, the theme of the night was land of promise. So she was coming from like a the, the daughter of immigrants. Uh, that was like her. That was her platform, and she was she dropped a lot of things like we're fighting for the soul of America. Uh, we need to rebuild the promise of America. Um, you know, that's like one of the things she was saying. And she was, she was screaming this out though. It was like Avita. You ever seen Avita? She was like screaming from the balcony. Uh, so what do you think about that? Just, just the, the words that she uses, like the soul of America. Like it's like, it's mm-hmm. this crazy dystopian future that like, it's like, no. you know, we have to save it, you know, like, no, do I don't about that. No, I don't think she's lying. They are trying to save save the soul of America, the very racist, bigoted soul of America. They're trying to save that. I I, I could believe that. Yeah, like, like this whole thing to me is like comical, honestly. Like, like that's the reason why I don't even like watch these. Any like, I'm not the biggest like political person in the world just because of that. It just seems comical to me. Like you said, Sugar, it really seemed like he was just like on cocaine or something. Uh, you know, Trump Jr. And all mm-hmm. of that, I felt like he just said all of that just to go viral. Because it's a viral thing now. We're in a viral society. So this is like, these are grown men, political men, just trying to go viral. That's what I see. I see like big kids and, and you know, like just running for office. And then, trying to campaign for other people in office. This and is then, like big children on stage. Right. And then correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, didn't um, like Nikki Haley basically kind of say like America is not a racist country or um, try to say that, um, you know, it's not racist because she's where she is, but also at the same time detailing like racism that she faced. Right. Yeah. So uh, Nikki Haley came out. She had two 
two topics to talk about. Uh, first of the race, of course. She came out, and the first thing she said is that um, nowadays the Democrats, well, they use the word f uh, radical or far left Democrats because they're trying to get the swing. They're trying to get the moderate Democrats. That's the that was another theme that they're trying to get, like I guess, like you know, white Democrats or like you know that type of thing. Uh, but she came out. She was like, nowadays the Democrat Democratic left uh, wing are making it fashionable to say that America is a racist country. They're making it fashionable. And then she looked at the camera and she was like, America is not racist. That is a lie. That's what she was like. And then she, then she went into our whole personal story. She was like, her parents uh, came from a part of India. And like, she was like, a, the, the mom, my mom was a businesswoman. My dad uh, taught at a prominently black college. Um, I guess it was somewhere in South Carolina. I'm not sure which one's in there. Uh, but she was like, I'm the first minority, first female governor of South Carolina, and I was welcome in. Uh, another line she said was, uh, I grew up in a, a world of black and white, and I'm, and I'm brown. Uh, that was another line she said. Uh, and then basically, uh, she ended that uh, the race, racial uh, topic about saying that America is a story in progress. Basically saying, I know things are in, in how they're going now, but let's move forward. And kind of like, well, how I interpret it, but I'm, you know, I'm white, but it was like, be grateful and things are going to get better, but just, you know, know your role and all that type of thing. Yeah. And I think like Tim Scott, like a little while back, like he um, basically said, like, he used to get stopped on the way to his office, you know, because of the color of his skin. But, um, you know, America, he, he went on to say, like, America is not a racist country. And to me, like what he said way back then, and he probably reiterated um, that night also, and what Nikki Haley said, you know, that's like um, conservative people of color in like a nutshell. It's like, you know, I went through all of this racism, but America, um, this country's not racist. Like it's it's incredible to me and for like Nikki Haley for you to say I'm the first this and I'm the first that and my parents came from here and da 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 da, da. like it goes to show y'all like how racist America is off, yeah my bad sir. Well, no. like I said like all of this is just straight like it, it's they're doing it just to go viral they're not doing it for any other reason that's just what I think in my head like just my head like no, they're not seriously under the impression is that like they're gonna be a good anything politically good anything period i'm not under that impression they just simply up there just to talk their mind just to be just to be dumb just to be funny that's mm -hmm. what they're doing like they don't really think they're gonna be yeah, even trump like he really didn't believe he was gonna win as president he was just up there trying to make a mockery of everybody and just trying to have fun on you know just trying to be a clown i think that's what they everybody's trying to follow that yeah, and then and then the thing I, I I've said it before on this show when we were talking about Kanye West, in that you know people like Tim Scott and Nikki Haley they're not speaking to other people of color they're speaking to white people to make it seem like people of color are content um with the things that are going on in this country because if you see one say it you assume everybody's saying it or at least that there's like an equal divide 
amongst people of color as far as race relations go in this country. And I think that's the point of having those people speak. Right. And Joel mentioned that it's not a clown show, but they want they just want social media attention. And then people remember that. I just found out that uh, Trump's numbers are going up the last poll after all this. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, this is, this goes back to probably a lot of Roger Ailes and uh, Nick, like post Nixon. Uh, the Republicans are masters of propaganda. Uh, the early 2000s growing up, everything with like Bush was like, they had all these catchphrases and it's all these like media people that, uh, that they worked with. And I still remember, I didn't know all the slang, not the slang, but the nicknames that Trump gave everyone, uh, short little bursts and, uh, that the Bush administration had all these different terms that we still remember. And it's kind of like, that's how the majority of people just remember things and it's in their head. So that's night one. And also what they were trying to push is the word they matter. That's what they were trying to push when Nikki Haley started saying that. And then it was reverberated like throughout the week, they matter, like black cops matter. And it was kind of like that. That was the thing. That was night one. And then, uh, and then there was the world stage thing they talked about. That was more about Biden and economical uh, China, which is another uh, main thing of the week. Our night two was land of opportunity. This was a family affair. And I bring that up because it's important. Melania Trump, uh, the first lady spoke. Eric Trump, the other son that Trump, you know, he's not always on the stage. Uh, and then Tiffany Trump, we haven't seen her in like four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he brought everyone out. She's and ironically, <laughs> yeah. no, but the, the thing is, though, um, it's if everyone you hire in your cabinet and like in the White House is family or related to the family, what do you call that? Nepotism. Okay. So the theme of this, of one of the speeches, uh, was about nepotism. And they were saying that Biden is a career-long politician who has done nothing but to benefit his own family. And then they bring up the Hunter Biden, like that the one Hunter Biden is like one other thing they keep bringing up. If you're not familiar with that, uh, that has to do with uh, Biden over like in Ukraine, and they're trying to link Biden with Ukraine because that was what the whole impeachment was about. But I just I find it so ironic, and people are like, okay, they accept it, but the whole the whole night was. Trump's family. It's mm-hmm. like an oligarchy. Oligarchy, you know? Royal, it's like a royalty thing. Um, I'm trying to look for some quotes for you. That's, I just, uh, that's basically, what do you think about that? Like, how Trump uh, basically just has his whole family on the payroll. Joel? That's, again, I see what they're trying to do. It's like, they're trying to have, like, the Trump family try to be, like, one of those America's top family, they really want to be, want us to believe that they're like a good family, honestly. That's what, that's all I see. All of this is just another Trump family fiasco. Yeah, and I think when, um, one of the nights, like, they, um, or when they said that, like, oh, like, Biden does this and that for his family and try to imply, like, he, you know, he's a nepotist, like, they showed the lineup and it's like Michael Sutter's like Melania, uh, E, uh, whatever the other daughter's name is. Um, and you know, all of them were basically like his, his kids. And, you know, it's just the irony of it. And it's like, you know, 
doesn't you you've done nothing there there's there's nothing in life that these people are good at other than like their last name being Trump and um it's funny because Melania I think somebody after her speech somebody tried to say they needed women to be more like Melania than Cardi B so that came across Cardi B's you know timeline so of course you know Cardi being the Bronx um girl as she is responded to it and she was like she was like if I'm not mistaken didn't Melania used to sell that what I was pussy and then um she showed like a picture of Melania which I actually used to like post a lot during um right after the election where like Melania is like butt ass naked like I was like you know because you know people the the right used to always um attack Michelle Obama and I'm like all right you basically got like a playboy model escort um mail order bride um as your first lady now so this is this is this is what you wanted this is the the first lady that you want and you know I responded to the the person I said like you needed more um Melania's and Cardi B's and I was like yeah maybe we do like because since bars and and clubs are closed you know maybe we'll need more um mail order brides maybe that um maybe that 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 fad needs to come back right the whole thing with Trump is like he's grooming his kids like Donald Trump Jr. like I can picture him in the hotel room doing lines and he's like I'm gonna be president I'm gonna be president that whole thing like uh, I hear I've watched like po- podcasts with him and he's just like he has his confidence it's like it's like a sh- it's like a hollow confidence I'm like uh I don't know uh, I mean I have more opinions opinions on it but I'm gonna get to night three okay Wednesday night night three of the RNC uh the theme was America land of heroes so it was geared towards uh the military uh they were targeting like uh, uh current service uh people and uh veterans Mm-hmm. The main keynote speaker was Vice President Pence. Uh, they had Second Lady uh, Karen Pence, his wife. He also calls her mother. Uh, mommy. <laughs> mother, I have a glass of milk. That's how <laughs> I do. Uh, you don't anyway. want to disappoint mother. <laughs> yeah. So then uh, uh, they had Kellyanne Conway, who was Trump's uh, right-hand person like during 2015. Well, one of them. You always saw her uh, in 2015, 2016, and early on in the first term. Well, I don't want to say first term, but in his hopefully only term. Uh, <laughs> and then last week, she stepped down. Yeah. Like, like you know, she had a long, long, because uh, he has a short memory. He doesn't remember a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard about him. Um, I don't remember him, even though he was in the freaking uh, foxhole with him during the election. Anyway, so Kellyanne Conway uh, stepped down last week. She was uh, the counselor to the president. That was her, her uh, title. Uh, but she spoke. Uh, but the main thing was uh, uh, Pence. He spoke from, it was like the nearest one to, uh, to the White House in D.C. And you can't have them together at the same time. You can't have the vice president and president together at sometimes. Yeah. So he spoke there. And, it was like a, and Baltimore is like the main naval base uh, historically in, in America. Uh, so basically what he said, his quote was, he's like, ask yourself, who do you trust to rebuild this economy? A career politician uh, who presided over the slowest recovery since the Great uh, Depression, which is bullshit. 
and then uh, or a proven leader who created greatest economy in the world which is just a hollow slogan that makes no sense uh we all 2018 uh 2008 uh you know we all remember the the crash and they uh before the election um obama and mccain worked with bush like we have to here's the plan we got to do this things are bad they did the bailout and everything and uh we were going for another depression and in the first uh in, in both terms of obama it increased like the economy grew again and it it went into trump's um term and he takes credit for that trump takes credit for that i mean of course if i have to give uh, a compliment to trump it's economical like of course because he's the businessman and everything but it plateaued after 2017 and of course there's this crazy thing with the COVID too. So the economy is going down, but basically uh, Pence is just like a hollow. I have no inspiration. I, when I look at him, I'm like, this is like a vanilla, you know, whatever. Uh, so what do you think about the America's role in the world and like military? You have a comment on that? Joel, uh, you, you or are is the military now in America. Joel, you are um, aspiring um, Navy. Um, so you you might have thoughts on that. I mean, like it, it's it's hit and miss. Um, like you know, like I don't. I want to start off with love and saying that, like you know, all veterans, obviously, like especially disabled veterans, deserve some type of aid. If not, probably it's like honestly, they shouldn't have to pay. They gave their lives, you know, for the country. But the sad thing is, you know, in this country, that is, that's just not the case. That's not happening. I really don't feel like, uh, you know, this country really honors their veterans as well as they should. Because, you know, you see a lot of homeless vets. You hear about, uh, you know, a lot of vets, like, working jobs that, like, they weren't even in the military for. And, uh, you know, they're in the civilian world. And if anything, uh, they working jobs that they felt like, why am I even here if I was in the military for example, like, you know, when I work, I'm not going to say where I worked at, you know, for obvious reasons, but the space I worked at, I worked with a lot of, like, I wouldn't say like super vets, but they were in the military for about, let's just say four years minimum. They come out into civilian world expecting things to be the same in the civilian world. And it's not the case, like the military rules and military world is completely different. So my thing is, like, honestly, I don't see how this country cannot at least give, I mean, I know there's the GI Bill and there's a lot of things that's, you know, um, benefits that the veterans get, but there's still a whole bunch of them, even with the benefits they have now, that's still homeless, still, you know, struggling to pay rent and this, that, and the third. So um, that's my whole view on that, on, you know, veterans. Yeah, my thing is, I just, like, I don't like how the right, especially Trump and his campaign, you know, they basically use the military as, like, props. And it's like Joel said, you know, they're, they're real people that, you know, they come back to war, from war with, you know, physical scars and emotional scars and mental scars. And, you know, they shouldn't really be used in, used as props as, oh, we're doing this for the military and not for the military. And, you know, the left wants, you know, doesn't care about our military. And it's not, they're like, everybody cares about the military. It takes a lot to, to um, you know, 
put your life on the line and sacrifice as much as they do. Um, you know, cause I know I couldn't be far from my, my family for, you know, the amount of time that they are, but, um, you know, Trump himself has done a lot less for the military than a lot of people. Like, you know, he, he tried to ban, um, the transgender, um, soldiers and to me it's like i don't know how you could become picky with um you know who who can be in the military and who can't because i know i'm not going out there and fighting no war but if somebody you know is willing to do that and sacrifice it shouldn't matter if you know they're a trans man or a trans woman like if they want to put on and, and represent this country um on a battlefield, like they ought to. And he, he was basically trying to take that out. Um, he insulted John McCain, um, while he was alive, you know, this is a person that was on um, a POW for several years, came back and then served his country on the Senate, even though there's a lot, like I didn't agree with, uh, John McCain on, I didn't feel like it was appropriate for him to be, talked about in the way that Donald Trump had um, during his election. And I found it hypocritical, you know, especially when it comes to like the, the protests and the kneeling and stuff like that, where people are like, Oh, you're disrespectful to the military. And, and this on the third, when, you know, Donald Trump basically t- takes a piss on, you know, veterans whenever he can. I mean, I believe there was um, one Senator who lost a leg um, in in the war, like now she's on prosthetics, and I think he disrespected her, and that was horrible. But um, Mike, what what else happened um there that we could talk about? All right, well, final thoughts on the military, just real quick. Uh, I know I'm tagging. Uh, you mentioned McCain. I can't believe that he, you know, he he assass- he character assassinated John McCain, and he, uh, and people bought it. You know, that's what, that's what one of the, like, the things I still can't get over. And I, I know I like, I love people and everything, but I can't believe people bought that. All right. Night four, the theme was land of greatness. This is where, uh, Ivanka Trump spoke. And, uh, Ivanka, Ivanka Trump is, uh, Trump's daughter, of course. Um, we also had Donald Trump's acceptance speech. It was a big firework show. Uh, but first they also had Ben Carson speak, uh, Mitch McConnell, and we had Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani in 2016 was uh, infamous for shouting and screaming, so he couldn't do that this time, uh, you know, because that already happened night one, so he had to do a different gimmick. Uh, I'm going to give you some quotes from Giuliani. Uh, of course, we all know Giuliani is the uh, former mayor of New York City. Uh, he was there in the 90s and then a year after 9-11. So he's very uh, police. He was a DA, so he's very police uh, orientated, uh, authority. Uh, he quoted, um, I mean, he, he talked about the riots. He blames the, the violence on BLM and Antifa. And his quote is, they sprang into action and hijacked the peaceful protests. That's like the main thing. So what do you think about that? How can they hijack a protest? The peace. How can they hijack the peaceful protests? Like Black Lives Matter is all. Black Lives 
BLM are the ones who organize the protests. So how can they hijack their own protests? That's my my thing. But um, I give Rudy Giuliani a lot of credit for you know, uh, basically breaking down the mafia when he was um an attorney when he was um a prosecutor and then eventually when he became mayor and like cleaning up the city and whatsoever. But other than that, I feel like he's been riding that wave of like nine eleven. Um, even though like he was his term was basically done like a couple months after nine eleven. So all of that America's mere stuff is like a bunch of bullshit. That was like Bloomberg that came in and, you know, basically helped New York recover after that. So uh, Giuliani gets way more credit than he deserves. But, you know, he's, he's another like sycophant, like and another um, ass kisser for Trump. And, he, you know, he makes himself look like a damn fool on TV whenever he can. And it's just... um crazy to see this guy who was like well-spoken you know way back in 2001 and he's just basically like you know this um caricature of himself um now you know i always said like i didn't like i I stopped fucking with giuliani when he um when he was you know running for president in like 2008 for that election and I think, like, the Red Sox were in a World Series, and, like, you know, he basically pandered by saying, like, he was going to root for the Red Sox because he's an American League fan, and I was just like, I don't give a fuck um, what American League fan you are. You're supposed to be this big old, like, Yankee fan. Like, you never root for the Red Sox. That's, like, under no conditions. So, you know, that that in of itself showed me that, you know, he was a flip-floppy person, even something small like that. Because I think Mitch Romney was up for the spot, too. And he's like a Red Sox fan. And he, he wouldn't do it. Um, You know, even though New York is, like, a massive amount of people and a massive amount of votes, he didn't, like, you know, flip-flop. I mean, that's neither here nor there. But that's just my thoughts on Giuliani. Joel? Yeah, right. Well, that was the catchphrase. About flip-flop, flip-flop. <laughs> Not the thing. Joel? Uh, just like uh, you was breaking up a little, Mike. Like, um, what was the, again the key point uh, Giuliani said? Because you were breaking up, uh, didn't really catch like a lot of it. Oh, okay. So Giuliani spoke, and his uh, main issue or his main topic was about the protests turned uh, violent riots. See, that's what as he described it. Uh, he blamed it on the BLM and Antifa uh, movements. Right. Uh, his quote was, they sprang into action and hijacked the peaceful protest, hijacked, see? He, he used that word very intentionally. Uh, yeah, so now all of a yeah. sudden, they're, now they're calling it a peaceful protest. Like, they, again, like, uh, they they flip-flop and they use words and then, you know, well, Joel, what do you think about yeah, Giuliani? Giuliani, Giuliani, any, like I said, any of these politicians, they've just been, they're just like desensitized to anything. They say whatever they want. They do whatever they want. Like it comes to a certain political power, where it's just like you know these guys have done crooked things. Like I'm just being honest. So anything that comes out of Giuliani's mouth, like like you know, sure, like to bring up some points you were making. Yeah, he did bring down the mafia. He cleaned up the city a little bit, but he did all of that 
illegally, like with more illegal intentions than good. Like then that's just the bottom line. Like none of that was really done clean. So anything that comes out that man's mouth is like you're just saying things to get a few people on your side to agree with because Black Lives Matter, obviously. Ain't nobody causing riots. Like what are you talking about? That like last time there was this video proof in these riots that shows actually like been white people who incite the riot or cops. You know, white cops. So and there's video proof of that, so I don't know what he's talking about. And but yeah, like I said, um, try not to take it, nothing like these politicians say serious, cause they're just gonna say some. They say a whole, they throw a bo- whole bunch of words out there, just to see who's gonna latch on to like that one perfect thing that they said or the one thing that resonates with them. And that's just that's just not me. Like I really don't believe a word they be saying, honestly. Well, if, if you say everything and then like you hear one thing that makes sense to you or you like. Then There's somebody agree. else is another thing. Yeah, so you just pick and choose what you want to hear. And also with Giuliani in the 90s, of course, it was he set the stage for the corporate, uh, you know, how New York changed. And uh, now uh, it's reverting, they're saying. So, they're, you know, that's why uh, Giuliani's in there. He's trying to instill that. Whole... Also, Giuliani used uh, the broken windows theory. Uh, that is the beginning of stop and frisk. Uh, more cops everywhere, you know, let the... The towers, you know, at the uh, looking to the watchtowers over like the streets. Uh, yeah, so basically it was like Manhattan changed, but then like the outer boroughs kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Ivanka? Ivanka was the other speaker. Her main thing was saying that uh, her father Trump handled uh, the early stages of the COVID 19 outbreak wonderfully. Uh, <laughs> That's a goddamn lie. One quote I will, uh, or one, one thing I'll ask you and then we'll move on, is that she claimed that drug prices were cut and it's very easy to look up that they're actually increasing and her husband is involved in that. But so basically, you know, that's like one sentence thing that you can say, oh, no, that's not true, you know? And she also said that, that America had the most robust testing in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so what do you think about that with uh, Trump's um, handling of COVID and Ivanka's claims to it? Ivanka gets like she just gets told what to say at this point. If she even said like I haven't like even seen her make facial expressions. You could tell her facial expressions. She does not want to be anywhere on by near Trump or anything. She looks like she's really bracing to get like sniped. Like her face is stoned, cold, like no expression. I think she's waiting for that like sniper bullet. <laughs> oh. Nah. Bullet. Yeah, she's waiting for that. Oh, uh, nah, but I, I know people like call her like a Stepford wife, but um, I was just watching Austin Powers um before we got into this, and like she, she, she reminds me of like one of those fembots, like she's just like she's up there, you know, like like Joel says, like she just says what she has to say, but um, the COVID test test um. Or the COVID, the handling of COVID by Trump, it's, it's horrible. It's the, the black mark on America because as much as you want to, um, as much as people want to give him credit for um, boosting the economy or whatever, like the economy is like terrible now. It might be, I don't know, Mike, you might know more than me, but isn't it probably like worse if not approaching 
where it was during the 2008 recession? Well, of course, uh, the economy uh, was was hit um, on a world stage. The economy was hit on the world stage, and especially in America. Uh, but when things closed down and they, they reopened, they are saying that 9 million jobs were created, like recreated or created. And I have the numbers. They're saying that at this point, uh, you know, Trump's favorite thing is to bring up uh, how he's helped the, the black uh, community of black Americans with uh, the lowest unemployment, you know, in maybe history is that what he says. I can never, I got to fact check it. But at this point, it is, uh, I mean, like, I believe I have it, it's 13%, 13% unemployment for black Americans. Hispanics is around 11 or 12. And white is around eight, the last time I checked. Uh, that's how it was. Uh, pre so I don't know what's going on like the economy is growing uh, mm -hmm. that's because they opened up America and we're we had like the surge in surge in, in cases so you know you're gonna grow the economy but then you're gonna have more people uh, become infected and uh, more people die it's like you know they're choosing they're choosing that but then also with this uh, Trump acceptance speech this is the big finale of the of the week Mm -hmm. Fireworks display over the Washington Monument, oh, the phallic okay. symbol. And then uh, basically, he's like, you can't, you know, you can't go to church. You can't go to church anymore. You can't go to church. They want, they want, the far left want to close your churches and you can't go there anymore because of COVID. But then, and then he said uh, a lot of the evangelicals I spoke were saying that the liquor stores are open and bars are open, but we can't go to church. I mean, but then on the opposite side, you were saying open up the economy. It's like, they say everything, you know, they just say everything. They throw everything out there and you can't like dispute, you can dispute one thing, but then they go, oh, no, I said this too. You know, it's just, it's frustrating. But they say everything. There's no like focus, uh, but yeah. Uh, the rest of Trump's speech was uh, all about the economy and how uh, Biden is in the bed with China. And if uh, he's saying that China wants Biden to win, uh, but the facts are that China doesn't care. They they don't want either of them. They're afraid that Biden is going to uh, like weaken the economy, the world economy. And Trump is, uh, even though he is, uh, he has an economic background, he's too unpredictable. So they can't like the Chinese want to look like ten years in the future, twenty years in the future, and they don't know what's going on. So uh, that's it was basically just a Snopes field day for Trump. Everything was like the opposite of of what they're saying with the facts. No mention of any of the uh, current, like the shootings and protests that happened that week and in the last few months, Kenosha, he didn't bring up any of that. Uh, it was over an hour long. It was basically just about the economy and Biden, Biden being weak. Yeah, I think like the other day, I, think was, I think the other day, like I saw, um, I had um, a guy on ESPN, I mean, not ESPN, um, CNN, who was like, a fact check checker and he went on for about like three and a half minutes just basically disputing um things or or you know basically fact checking checking things trump said for three and a half minutes straight like no breaks he was just like you know a lot of the things uh mike just said he was just like this is you know he said this and this is a fact and it's not a third but that's that's Trump's whole thing, and it's like you know with the economy, it's a or his whole presidency, or 
you know, the case for him to get reelected or not get reelected is basically like a catch-22 because, you know, this COVID thing is something unprecedented. So, you know, from an objective stance, you can't really say, like, he handled it um, well or he didn't handle it well. But at the same time, you know, there are things he could have done a lot better. First of all, Barack Obama... Back when, you know, swine flu and the avian flu um, were prevalent, he started a task force for um, pandemics or um, epidemics. And soon as Trump became, because he, he figured something like this was possible because, you know, I think we all can remember the swine flu and um, the bird flu where, you know, cases That's just kept birth. Yeah, cases just kept on popping up. So he basically wanted something, a team in place to track and, you know, come up with ideas on if something like coronavirus were to happen, he'd be able, you know, we'd be able to contain it. And first thing Trump did was, or one of the first things he did when he became president was disbanding that task force. And um everything he he fought a lot of the mandates you know the social distancing obviously um the mask wearing um he fought all of that tooth and nail everything that Fauci says he disputes um he tried to push uh, um a drug that the FDA wouldn't approve um saying that that would cure the the coronavirus was that the, the hydroxychlorine? Um, and, yeah, and, there's a new thing now too. It's a plasma treatment. Yeah, and then he tried to tell people to inject themselves with disinfectant. And it wasn't until like a couple of weeks ago that he himself started wearing a mask when he was out, even though um, I think a lot of Pence, Pence's staff had got were tested positive for the virus. Um, on top of that, he, he's been saying, like, they won't have as many cases if you don't test. Basically saying, like, if you ignore it, it'll just go away. I think earlier on when, um, earlier on in the process, he said, you know, it would just go away. And he was trying to, like, open up churches, like, two weeks after. And, you know, as subjective as I am about him, objectively i think he did a horrible job in handling it and he didn't show any kind of real leadership during this this thing because um i think in order to lead sometimes you gotta like shut up and listen and i don't think he did that like at all and his whole presidency has been that and i always used to say that the thing that i feared um when he became president was you know, natural disasters and if, you know, a terrorist attack or something like a pandemic, if, you know, these things happen while he was president, I think like, you know, as a country we'd be fucked. And, you know, with the hurricanes that happen and now with this coronavirus has happened. So, you know, that's just my feelings on, on him. But Joel? Yeah, it's like you said, like, I'm going to just, like, piggyback on you, like, all this whole topic 
just piggyback on you guys because, like I said, I'm just going to say the same thing over and over again. But I know, like, early I was being, you know, like, cynical with Yvonne and everything, even though I don't care. But, like, the topic of just bringing back, you know, Trump and how he handled the corona, you know, pandemic, obviously I don't agree with not one word of it, not one thing he did. You know, millions, a lot of people died, you know, and, and a lot of things just could have been avoided. Like, this whole thing, like I said, is just comical. Hopefully, somewhere, like, um, even with Biden, because I've heard, you know, even behind the scenes, like, he's done things that's, like, it's contradicting to why he's even want to be president. And so it's like, why should, like, why, again, are we choosing the lesser two evils? It's just beyond me. So, like I said, like, I wish I could say more and elaborate more, but it's always going to take me back to some type of cynicism and you know I, obviously you know I have hope but it's just like no much I could say it's like it's kind of one of those things where it's like I'd rather be out there protesting and really showing like my case because like, all of this is just like domino effect like all the pieces is gonna fall down mm-hmm. right so um, yeah so night before ended Trump, Trump's big uh, acceptance speech uh, basically it was just uh, out of context quotes and bending the truth of Biden, just to show anyone who is on the, any swing voters, like at this point, if you're a swing voter, uh, just to get them on his side, just by bending the truth a little. Like some things were true, but it wasn't totally true, half truths. And so that was Thursday night. And uh, the next day, and it's still going on today, obviously it's gonna go on until November, Trump is in his campaign mode and he is, he's loving every minute of it. Okay, so Friday night, uh, the news broke that Chadwick Boseman, the actor who portrayed uh, Black Panther, uh, he played uh, many historical figures uh, in the past. Uh, Jackie Robinson, he played James Brown, uh, Thurgood Marshall. Well, he lost his battle with uh, cancer. Uh, it was stage four colon cancer. And uh, no one really, no one knew about it. It wasn't really it wasn't in the news uh, up until he died. So I'm going to ask Shug, uh, when you heard the news, what, did you, what was your uh, initial reaction? Yeah, so I was like scrolling through, what was I doing? I was watching, oh, I was watching um, SmackDown, WWE SmackDown, because um, I remember this because me, I, I, I was messaging Mike about SmackDown and I'm, you know, refresh my, 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 my feed. And then I saw, like, it was like AP, you know, Associated Press, the Associated Press reporting that Chadwick Boseman has died at 43 years old. So I remember retweeting and commenting, excuse me, like with a question mark, because, and I had to look at, like, to make sure it was, like, the certified um AP account and um scroll back up refresh and people were retweeting from um his Twitter account um and it had like a a, a statement that yeah since 2016 he was battling colon cancer and he um finally had succumbed to it and you know it was it was shocking 
because we didn't know. And it's like, if you put the timeline, like, yeah, I think um, 42 came out in 2012, I believe, or 20, yeah, in the early part of the last decade. But Civil War came out in 2016. Um Black Panther came out in 2018. Uh, Infinity War came out in 2018. And then Endgame came out last year. So it's incredible that during our whole time, you know, he's, he's been in all the, the other films outside of the um, MCU. It was just insane that, you know, he was doing all of these films while battling this and you know he was a tremendous actor um seemed like a really kind soul and like a all-around like great dude um so it was, it, was, it, was, it was very sad to find out that he passed but you know um he, he I, I, i'm gracious that he blessed us with his um presence he was he was a fine artist joel how'd you hear about it yeah i was you know it this happened like a day after my birthday like i was just it was just me and like my girlfriend i had my phone in my hand on you know instagram and like the phone was like you know in a, in a position where i wasn't like you know looking at my phone phone but she took a glance over my phone and saw i think it was shade room that posted chadwick boseman died passed away and I'm like, whoa, when the, like, just out of nowhere again, like, I'm still like, you know, on the birthday celebration. And like I said, it happened, you know, the next day. And it was just like, shocking. And just to hear that, you know, he was um battling cancer, and he kept it quiet to himself. That's another thing, too. Like, you really never know what someone's going through. That's why, you know, the older I'm getting to is almost as if like, I don't, I always try to treat someone, you know, with respect. Again, like you have no idea what someone's going through. You could treat people. I've seen, honestly, people get treated like bad, like real to the point disrespectful and they never like bat an eye. They never really like attack you back. That person might be really going through something even deeper than that, you know, and it's just like really annoying that, you know, some people just like don't, understand that people are fighting silent battles in their head you know that's why you always have to check up on especially the strong friends because he was like you know Chadwick, rest in peace like i said like didn't even hear only his family knew none of his co-workers probably knew you know um, man he worked with everybody and none of them probably knew they was just that shocked so you know you just never really know what somebody's going through man and that's just like real real sad a lot of the movies are like uh, 42. I remember watching that movie. That was the first Chadwick Boseman movie like I've seen because I like Jackie Robinson, baseball overall. And, you know, obviously Black Panther, Avengers, The Five Bloods, actually. We spoke about it, too. He, I think that was like his last film, and we mm-hmm. spoke about it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And he did, a, you know, an awesome role on there, too. And, again, this, that was his last role. And, yeah, I like, guess just like watching... And I think now, like, uh, I saw on social media, ABC is going to show, I think, uh, the Black Panther with no commercial nonstop. It's going to be really weird now just watching all of these movies, knowing that silently he was really fighting this cancer. Still did a good job. But, like, yeah, it's going to be a little a little tougher now watching, like, any of his movies, really. 
You're right. Yeah, I got the I got text messages from my girlfriend, and it said, it. "I was like, what?" The chat, and then I was like, "Wow." Um, and then I put on HBO Max, and like right away there was like a tribute uh, section for him, and I was scrolling through it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot." You know, I knew Jackie Robinson. I remember that, but then I forgot that he, you know, he played James Brown. Uh, he played Ernie Davis, the first uh, Heisman. Black, no, he, he uh, Heisman didn't play. Player. He didn't play Ernie Davis. He played. Oh, he played all in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Boy, he. I, yeah. I had even forgot I mean, he was in yeah, that movie yeah. as well. Yeah, The Express. Yeah, I meant he was. Uh, he was in it. So like he, mm-hmm. he was in a lot of uh, films that were uh, like socially conscious. Uh, then I went back into his uh, his career. Uh, he studied at Howard University. Uh, then he went over to uh, Britain, studied theater. So he was a theater actor first. And then uh, about like 10 years ago, uh, or like, you know, in the, in the later part of the 2000s, early 2010s, he worked a lot in television. Uh, I understand, uh, Shook, he, he was, uh, he played a role in Soap Opera? Yeah, so uh, weird coincidence. Um, he originated a character on All My Children. Um, I can't remember the the name of the character, but he was the adopted Reggie Porter. Yeah. Um. Later on, Reggie Montgomery, who's um was adopted by Jackson Montgomery, who's you know a prominent character, who was a prominent character on All My Children, which ended in 2011, and the first few um weeks he was played by Chadwick Boseman and eventually the role went to Michael B Jordan um who starred alongside him or opposite him in Black Panther as Killmonger so that's that's a little bit of trivia there that you know the, the, the those two were connected in playing the same character so of course uh especially uh young children and especially uh Young minority children, uh, Black Panther was a huge. It's a huge, uh, huge deal. Um, how do you think going forward uh, he's going to be remembered uh, as the years go by, and his performances like live on? So how do you how do you feel? Um, like I think he's going to be remembered um, fondly. Um, you know, it's like. Um, in in Star Wars, when um, they they always or Luke Skywalker says, you know, you're never really, no one's ever really gone. I mean, it ain't like Chadwick Boseman's gonna pop up as like a Force ghost, but his movies will be here. Um, maybe perhaps every Jackie Robinson day. Um, they MLB Network could show 42, or some network could show 42. Um, Black Panther, you know, or Black Panther, Civil War, Endgame, all the films he he um appeared as Black Panther in, you know, they they're always gonna be on heavy rotation, and you know the impact of Black Panther being released, directed by a black person, starring a black person, co-starring several black actors. It was a predominantly black cast. It might have been the first movie with a predominantly black class to win. Um, I mean, not to win. To it actually was like nominated for best picture, actually, and it won multiple awards. And I think it was the first predominantly black production to cross like a billion dollars. 
And I just remember when the um when the movie came out, you know, all these people, you know, people black people showed up in droves and were just excited to see like a positive portrayal of um black people on film and not just black people but Africans and you know it, 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 you know um me and Joel actually went to see the movie together when it came out um and I don't think like I think it was a while because it, it was like a winter like both of us was busy so we couldn't like we hadn't really like seen each other for a while but we got together to see the movie and we enjoyed it we thought it was great um but there's a point I want to bring up about Black Panther later on that we'll discuss um, in a little bit. But, you know, he also had other great movies, Get On Up, where he did a phenomenal job playing the iconic James Brown, the Godfather of Soul. And, you know, he put his foot into that role. Um, and uh, kind of under the radar, because I actually watched it, like, a random day on, like, one of the movie channels, um, Marshall where he played Thurgood, Thurgood Marshall and I kind of didn't really think like it, it was going to work because he didn't really look like Thurgood Marshall, but he he definitely um, did a damn good job in that film too. And it's an excellent film if, you know, people haven't seen that, but he, he, he will surely be missed. Excellent actor. My rest in peace. I, guess, I, you know, I think he'll be remembered. Obviously, uh, all his movies like today, they're already doing tributes. All like, you know, like a couple of days out there, you know, untimely passing. And everybody's already doing tributes. Like cast members, I've seen like every single of his, you know, Avengers co-stars put out a tweet or you know some type of remembrance like stories that they're sharing i'm pretty sure it's gonna happen too like once um things start to get back to normal a little back to normal and you know you start having these you know um talk shows or what have you like podcasts for example i'm pretty sure you hear it on other podcasts you're hearing it here on this podcast it's going to be spoken about like for you know for a while now and he's always going to be remembered of course baseball i believe um you know, since he played Jackie Robinson, they did a couple tributes to him. So, you know, that's a good thing. He's always going to be remembered. His legacy is always, obviously, hopefully, and it stays intact, too, because usually, and sadly, when a lot of celebrities pass away, you start hearing, for some reason, just the bad things that came out, or the, or the juicy gossip, whatever. Hopefully, that's not the case here. You know, but, um, you know, he, I see him being honored you know, for years to come now. Nice. Yeah, there was an actor, um, because I think like Chadwick Boseman's career is gonna be in the scope of um twenty ten to twenty nineteen, like that whole decade. And his career reminds me of um an actor from the nineteen seventies who also succumbed to cancer, um, John Cazale, who played um, Fredo Corleone in The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two, And he only acted in, um, he only acted in about like five films, 
but every single one of his films, he was nominated. Um, not he. He was nominated for, um, I think, a couple of Oscars for, um, I think he, oh, he was he was nominated for Dog Day Afternoon. I think he was nominated for Godfather Two, um, as Fredo. So he was in Godfather, Godfather Part Two, Deer Hunter, The Conversation, um, and you know I, I think uh, Chadwick Boseman, um, all of the films he was in in this past decade, it, you know it, it's the same thing like The Five Bloods. Um, all of these movies were great. Like he, he really, um, he he really made a name for himself that 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 won't be forgotten. And you know the way society is, and with all the divisiveness and the hate, to see the outpouring of love, um, because Friday night and definitely Friday night and a little bit here and there the last two days, um, Saturday and Sunday. Friday night, all you saw on Twitter was just um, a lot of mourning and grieving for his death and a lot of positive, you know, he, he was held in reverence by everybody in, in his death. And, you know, that's, um, that's, a, that's a great, one of the great little moments of humanity that's left in this world that, you know, unfortunately death, you know, brought people together, but you know, that's, that's, that's the impact he's had on this world. And, you know, all of us should try to strive for that, that, you know, when we leave here, you know, we leave good thoughts in people's heads and in their hearts. I did want to say something else. Um, you know, like a topic that was obvious, you know, with, um, that goes along with this one, somebody, um, who's especially, you know, you know, actors who play, um, a very um, prominent role or a very famous role, you know, a lot of people are saying, like, you know, Black Panther shouldn't be recast. Um, what's your guys' like, thoughts on that? Well, I believe... Joel, please. Um, I, think, I think they could find another actor, honestly, to replace. I mean, it'll be obviously cold-hearted it shouldn't be done right away this should take some time it shouldn't be like next year there's a new black panther should take some time but like you know the um just the joy that movie brought just being you know released that brought a lot of joy to people it was like like really in you know like oh yeah finally finally getting our shot in in film or something that feeling could be brought up again obviously it shouldn't have to be like next year we see a whole new uh t'challa but i feel like they could bring it back they could recast in some type of way i feel i'm not sure uh, how much they filmed for the sequel or there's also other footage probably i don't think they started yet because it's it's um 2022 and then with the covid and stuff they probably didn't get to start shooting yet yeah, I think but they pushed it. I believe it was maybe a fall in 2021. I don't know. But my main, my main thing is mm-hmm. there obviously is footage five because they shot you know, the Avengers back to back and they obviously had to cut some things out. I feel like the sequel uh, to honor the actor, um, I think it will be, it'll open with like a, you might just actually symbolically have it where it's like a funeral for the, for the character. And there were so many other um, 
like I don't want to say like side characters that they already had them planned to do their own solo movies. So maybe they'll use Black Panther two as a vehicle to launch maybe like a team uh, and use that uh, use it as a, a way to push uh, the more the actresses. I forget the characters' names, but you know there was like uh, a lot of uh, side characters too that were that are popular and they're they were hoping to launch them in their own wave uh of the next wave of uh, a phase of the marvel movie so i think they'll uh they're not going to recast you i don't know you can't do that i don't think so i think they're just going to push on with the other characters from that from that world um all right so so my thoughts on it um i understand like people are grieving and they're in mourning and you're very much in the moment but you know if you know your your point i'm not talking about you mike i'm just saying in general if people's point is that you know black panther had this great impact on society um why would you stop making movies with the most prominent and profitable um black superhero um i think they have in in order to keep chadwick's legacy you know they have to keep pushing on and you know who's to say i know obviously his people um basically kept it on the wraps and kept leaks from getting out but who's to say he didn't meet with um kevin feige and bob Iger and you know let them know because i don't see chadwick being a type of person that wouldn't you know have that that wouldn't at least be courteous courteous enough to let you know his you know employers know that he's going through this thing and it's like a possibility that he might not make it here's what you should do and i think perhaps he might have had like a short list of actors to replace him um the downside is that you know, a lot of the people that you'd suggest they were already in Black Panther, Michael B. Jordan, um, David Kaluuya, Winston Duke. Um, they've been in thing, but um, I, I proposed it uh, yesterday. Um, John Boyega. I mean, I don't know if he'd be willing to do it because he seemed very stressed and very annoyed by like the Star Wars fan base. But I think like the fan base for Black Panther, um, you know, being his own people, especially how active he is in social justice might, would, would be very open. I mean, they might not be as open because he's taken over a role of somebody that means so much to us. Um, but he he's somebody I would put up to to replace. Um, another suggestion was maybe um, kind of what what Mike suggests is um, uh, Shuri the in the the comic books his younger sister, who we've seen in the MCU, like she takes up the mantle of Black Panther. Um, Winston Duke um, as Mbaku, you know, maybe. Uh, T'Challa dies and they you know he was he challenged for the throne um, 
during T'Challa's ascension, maybe he takes up the role of um Black Panther or something like that. But I don't think like I don't think it would do Chadwick's legacy if you just like abandoned the role or just like retired Black Panther. I think Black Panther has to keep going on because I don't know when's the next time you know, there'll be a superhero like this. And especially now, another thing I also suggested when um, not recasting him was brought up was that now that Marvel owns X-Men and Storm can be introduced, Storm in the comics is T'Challa's wife. So a storyline that could be evolved in Black Panther 2 whenever they introduce um, the X-Men is, you know, now you could have like the Barack Obama and Michelle Obama of the MCU and you can show a prominent black couple, you know, and they could probably have something like the same impact of finally of seeing a black family in the White House to see a black family of superheroes. Um, and that's something I, I would like to see, but all in all, it's it's just inf- unfortunate that he passed, and I just think about like the the days he spent shooting, the days he spent doing interviews, the days he spent um, promoting the film, and he's putting on a good face, and he's um, you know, doing these things and putting in all of this work, um, you know, changing his body and stuff like that, um. And then every night he was probably going home and he was just in like an unmeasurable amount of pain. And he he sacrificed all of that and still put on a good face and did stuff, and, you know, and did these things and, and did them well. And like another thing I'm seeing a lot of people saying, and I, I actually really don't remember like it being as um as prevalent as people were saying is like people were saying they were like bullying him for his um for how he looked the last time like he appeared um because he, he put out a video like a like a few months ago and he looked frail and me personally I looked at it and I was like I thought he was doing it for a role and I think I tweeted out I was like I hope like he didn't um he wasn't like changing his body for a role so drastically and I was concerned for his health in doing so, not knowing he had cancer, but I wasn't like being bullies. But I think like a lot of time on social media, especially in times like this, like a lot of people like to um, turn and take a negative, such as Chadwick Boseman dying, and then use it in a way to make themselves feel better by like putting other people down. So it turns into all of these people posting like, oh, like people were body shaming him and stuff like that. And in turn, they're basically using that to shame other people. And I, I don't, I don't think that's that's right. Right. And also, it's uh that type of cancer is very, it's very physical. Uh, so you mentioned uh, during the whole Black Panther uh, talk uh, that he probably spoke with the executives because you know it's a major investment uh they most likely know but if there's a physical thing like you know usually you have like a bag and everything classmate bag so it's very very phys- uh visible so maybe you're right maybe he has a, a short list of people that he would uh 
And what I was saying was also uh, use the word mantle. That's the, the word I was, that's the word I was looking for. Um, I'm, it's not like Batman, like you can recast Batman. I meant that, yeah, someone else takes that character and like, it's a, it's, he'll still be there. Like he, he, the, the, there'll be somebody else plan, uh, doing the, the Black Panther in the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, how like, like how like Robin became Nightwing and then Nightwing became Batman. Yeah. Like it's Batman, but it's a different guy. Like that's, that's, you know, cause in the world of comics, which I have a strong background in, and that's how they would usually do it. Yeah, I think it could be done. Like, like I say, when I say like recast the role, like you recast it, understanding like there these are enormous shoes to fill. You know, because of the cultural significance of the character and um, just the presence that Chadwick Boseman brought to the role. Like, I'm not just you know, it's not like you know when they pick Jared Leto to be Joker um, a couple years after Heath Ledger, where it's just like, all right, well, we got to keep trucking. You know, it's, 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 it's going to be um, a significant thing. And I think, like, as long as they pick the right actor, I think we should embrace it. And, you know, I think Chadwick would, would appreciate us just um, continuing to support um, – the next Black Panther, and I hope, I hope, like I said, he did have like a short list. So definite. So in in that way, you know the 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 next because you know there haven't been many black superheroes, but you see it a lot with the white characters. Um, Batman, James Bond, Superman. This person is always like a negativity towards it. So for a fan base for a character that's predominantly black, I want to see how I, I'm hoping that when they do, if, and when they do recast the role that like the same black people that were out there going to the theaters and their dashikis and things like that, like they, they accept the next actor. And I think like, if he did have an idea of people to replace him, um, should he unfortunately pass, you know, that gives, you know, that gives, that, that, that alleviates like the pressure for the next actor and the pressure on us as fans to accept him. Uh, just like, you know, to elaborate on, like I, would, I was saying earlier, you just never know what someone's going through. Like you said, Sugar, they was making fun of him because of the picture. But that's what and people, I, mean, I, I, I said, that's what people were claiming that, that people were doing. I don't, I don't yeah. recall it. More, more, more than not, I saw people. They were more concerned for his health. I know, like, I know, like, I've seen some tweets. Like, people were actually making fun of him, and that's the sad thing. Like, again, I know I'm the cynic here and all of that, but like, I've sadly there's just people out there who was like, uh, you know, making fun of him. Like, and again, you just never know what someone is going through. Like, the man was secretly battling cancer. And sadly, you know, he just wants to put up a picture on his social, you know, his social media, what he does, what he wants to do. And now he has to be attacked. And like, just knowing that he was, like, again, like what you said, Chuck, I thought it was probably for a role because a lot of actors lose weight drastically for roles. So it, I, I thought it was that too, honestly. Right. But, um, you know, like I would never just like, all right, even if I knew you was putting up a, 
especially if you were a friend or if I was a fan of yours or something, like obviously I'm not gonna, I don't know, I don't have Chadwick Boseman's number, but if it was someone I knew personally who I know might be going through something, I'm gonna check up on them, like regardless, cause again, like I said, you just never know. Yeah. Yeah, we really gotta be mindful, especially like I'm real big on mental health. You just gotta be real mindful of that. Act. Gotta stop like, you know, body shaming and I'm, you know, this is like I body shame. I'm not gonna front. I body shame. I've been body shamed before. But it's just one of those things where it's like you gotta get older, you really don't know what somebody's going through. Like seriously, even when it comes to like overeating or eating less, like there's always something probably really going on and you gotta be like very courteous about. Right. Final thoughts. Okay, I was tasked with the uh with the the job of watching the RNC from start to finish. I watched all four nights, uh, all the key moments. We I talked about everything. I'm gonna jump into the next day. After the final day, Trump went on his campaign. He flew into uh New Hampshire and he was in prime uh campaign mode. Uh basically I could break it down, he was just trying to instill uh, in, in chaos, fear of everything that's like progressive. The terms to use was suburbs, you know, basically suburb, suburbs versus big cities. He was like, they're going to come into your suburbs. Uh, so it's another fear thing. He said the impeachment was phony. Uh, he's attacking Biden's age. Because I'm all, you know, I, I'm up there too, but uh, Biden, you know, he looks dead. That whole thing. And the crowd was like a massive crowd in front of this. Uh, he even attacked the Air Force One. He said the Air Force One. It looks better with black and uh, gold, right? You know, my plane. Yeah, he was like, attacking that. Uh, yeah, so basically he, everything they talked about in the first four days of the RNC, he just turned it into his own uh, WWE style promo for an hour. Uh, and then then yesterday or today, he was in Texas. And obviously, Texas uh, was affected. It was a hurricane. Um, and I was talking to my mom. She brought it up and she goes, did he throw paper towels at them remember in Puerto Rico he was throwing paper towels at them like mm-hmm. in a comical way I was, and she was that made me laugh um yeah and then he uh, doubled down on law enforcement he says defund the police we got to give them more money that whole thing uh he hyped himself up about space force that's uh seven trillion dollars and we talked about uh on night three was about the military you cut that I know we need we need a military presence in the, in the world obviously because you have all these almost major powers coming up by China and Russia and everything. But if you like even half that, just give it, you know, help out like the veterans, uh, that's going to benefit everyone in the future. And, you know, $7 trillion, the space force, he just likes to create things like now he'll be remembered as the person that created space force. Uh, just like how, uh, we created, uh, the Marines, uh, air force was made in the early 20th century. And you, you know, he just wants to be the first everything. Uh, yeah, so the campaign's going to go on for another two months. It's uh, just going to keep doubling down on everything that makes people afraid. And, uh, you know, it's it's left and right now. Uh, the other thing in the RNC is that they're trying to uh, get the swing voters. So if you notice that, anytime you hear them speak, uh, they're using just left. They're not saying Democrat anymore. They're using the word left. So just notice that. Uh, we mentioned uh, McCain during night three, the military night. Uh, his, his Basically, his quote was, uh, I like people who don't get captured. Like, the ball's on this guy. And like, people just like laughed and everything. It's just sickening. 
And um, we also talked about, uh, you know, Blake and how that uh, happened last Sunday, a week ago today. And that just uh, created a chain reaction that uh, swept across America. And you can, and you can see that uh, an incident and like a viral video instantly, ha like so something happens instantly with social media now. So, uh, and then everything happened in that one week. We did the sports and everything. It's so quick now. Everything is very instant. That's one of my takeaways from uh, this week. Uh, and then we also talked about uh, Chadwick Boseman. Uh, it's always sad when you get that text because we live in, again, like social media. And like, it reminded me of like uh, another celebrity we lost was Kobe, like in January. And when you first hear it, you're like, oh, it takes you a while. And it's very instant social media and then you can see the response immediately uh i think his his films will uh like you like shook said like uh, on a holiday they'll they'll bring they'll, on like jackie robinson day they'll they'll show that on like the mlb network and years to come uh i mentioned that he was a theater actor and most theater actors who you know they move on to films they're very very serious and he was given like many actors, given the task of portraying iconic figures. And that's not usually easy. You haven't, you, sometimes it's hit or miss and a uh, wonderful job and uh, many other films about that. Uh, but, but when people are portraying someone, like yeah, one where it's Nixon and you know, it's, it was just, it was Anthony Hopkins. He looked like Anthony Hopkins and like, it's just whatever. Uh, but there's other films where you remember the film almost as much as like the actual person. So I think a lot of those movies were uh, resonate with uh, people that don't really know a lot about like history or that you know they rely on like pop culture. So uh, that's going to be affected. Everyone's going to remember a lot of the pop culture uh, significance of these films, and then you know, then you go into the history about it, then you read about it, and then people know what happened. Uh, Joel, your turn. In terms of uh, you know. Jacob Blake situation, like I said, um, hopefully this time around, like, we just got to, like, arrest the cops that, you know, kill Breonna Taylor. It's the same thing that, you know, for Jacob Blake, there should be more riots in terms of, uh, you know, getting them arrested. Still trying to get Breonna Taylor's, you know, cop killers arrested, send them to jail. Hopefully something comes out of that. And, um, again, you know, I'm not the biggest political guy in the world. I didn't watch the what was it? I don't even know what it's called. What's it called, Mike? Republican National Convention. RNC, 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 yeah. like, like, I'm not the biggest Republican, Democrat in the world, polit politician, political person, period, anyway. But, like, just in terms of just, like, I, hopefully, I hope Democrats, Republicans, anything, whoever's going to be president, like, even if it comes down to Biden or Trump, as many bad things as they've done, like, just try to make up for it, if that's the case, like. I mean, if we have to choose the lesser two evils again, hopefully one of them can just, like, undo their mistakes once they do become president. And, you know, that's how, you know, I'm going to keep it short there. And, you know, in terms of, you know, rest in peace again, Chadwick Boseman, you know, obviously cancer is a bitch. Cancer kills a lot of people, but it's almost like you just didn't really know, understand, and he... Again, just with the Black Panther movie, like he got diagnosed with it, it was 2016, and that's exactly when Black Panther, the first Black Panther, or at least one of those came out. 
you know, it, he wasn't really, he was still working on those films, giving us his life, giving us the best he could possibly give us. And the whole time he's just battling cancer, doing through it. And it just really makes you feel selfish sometimes too. The way you just look at life, that you take things for granted. You really know know what somebody is going through. They could be giving you the best. They giving you their best that they can through under you know under all those circumstances, and it's still like really not that much appreciative. That you know, it really kind of makes you feel like a shit person sometimes. Not saying any one of us have you know did that to Chadwick Boseman, but I'm just saying just in general, you never really like took if anybody ever took for granted. You know, you never really know what they're going through deep down inside in terms of that. So, yeah, you know, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman, and hopefully, you know, uh, condolences to his family, fans. Hopefully soon, you know, find some relief from that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start off with Chadwick. You know, somebody, a lot of, a few people I've seen on Twitter say, um, because they always say this person lost their battle with cancer. I think Chadwick lost his war with cancer. But dumb battles, he was given cancer hell. Because this man was still coming out and still performing and still like doing his thing. And, and he, he beat cancer to me in just how he lived and how he worked and you know, he's going to be an inspiration to us all. He's going to be an inspiration to um, plenty of um, kids um, growing up, you know, especially, and I, that's why I have a lot of hope for this younger generation, um, you know, my, my little brother and my nephew in that, they're born into a world where you've had a black president and you've had a famous black superhero um, to look up to now. So being black is representative and hopefully they'll grow up in a better situation than we're growing up just the same way that we've grown up in a better situation than our, our parents have, but it's only been marginally better. Um, so you know, my thoughts on prayers are actual thoughts and prayers are with his family, not, you know, um, not, not just to say that they are, um, but, you know, with the Jacob, um, Blake shooting, you know, it, it shows that there's a lot to, a lot left to be desired in this country. And just because you criticize this country, um, doesn't mean you hate it. If anything, it means like you love it because you want it to do better. Things you love, you always want the most of. And I don't think America has um, done. I don't think Amer I don't think America has been its best yet. Um, and Doc Rivers said it, and um, even before he said it, um, Jason Hayward had said it about um the um had said it during when George Floyd um was killed you know we love this country so much and you know us as black people we're just wondering why it doesn't love us back and I feel like the protests could a lot more could have came out of it than did um speaking of Jason Hayward you know 
he a lot of the teams including um our New York Yankees um didn't really protest. I mean the Yankees only had like the night of um Wednesday cuz they didn't play on Thursday, but they were playing a doubleheader and I think they could have shot out the second game, but the Cubs um they let Jason Hayward um sit for that game, but they the rest of them still played, but the LA Dodgers um Mookie Betts who's only been with the Dodgers um only played with them for um about 25 to 30 games. Uh Jason Hayward has been a Chicago Cub um I think since 2014 or 2015. Um his manager is a former teammate of his so there's a relationship there and he has a relationship with with the players in our clubhouse and the Dodgers saw that um, Hayward was going to sit. I mean, saw that Mookie was going to sit and the whole team decided to sit along with him. Whereas the Cubs, they let him sit by himself. And, you know, I thought that was a disgrace. I thought um, the Yankees and the Braves deciding to play that nightcap was a disgrace. But for the NBA players, for everything to come out of it, basically being, um, you know, more places for people to vote. Uh, I'm going to tie this in with the RNC. It just, you know, all you're doing is picking people that you're going to vote and vote and you're, you're voting and you're voting and you're voting and you're voting and you're not seeing any type of results, any type of change. And I think that in of itself has to change. Unfortunately, it's going to take time. And I think, like, this two-party system – you know, obviously, we didn't talk about the Democratic National Convention, but um, this two-party system where you're basically, like Joel said, you're basically picking the lesser of two evils. I think it's counterproductive for us as a society and for us as a country to keep carry on this, carrying on this way. But I think that in of itself is going to take time, unfortunately. Um, but Trump. Uh, you know, what can be said about him that hasn't be, been said already? Um, hopefully he doesn't get a second shot at this because I, I honestly think he did far from a good job during his first. So I don't think he gets uh, – and I think that's part of his platform too. It's just, all right, like, look at the mess I made. Um, let me clean it up. Or basically – um. It's like in one of those like cartoons where the house is a mess and they take all the mess and just throw it in like a closet. And then, you know, year four, he opens the closet and it's like all the stuff he put in instead of like cleaning the house, all of the, and, you know, and, and he took all the mess and like just threw it in the closet and he opens the closet and the closet, all the mess comes out back and you have to clean it up again. You know, I think, you know, you, you got to give um somebody else a shot. And I think you need somebody more presidential and a lot more respectful of everyone in this country, not just rich people, not just white people, just everybody, Um, somebody who's inclusive. And I think Trump has been extremely divisive. Like Mike said, he, you know, during our all, they had four nights and they barely brought up um 
what was going on at the time. They they were ignorant to it. And that's like America in a nutshell. It's like, you know, if you ignore things, they'll just go away. He did that with COVID. He's doing that with um the racial issues in the country. And something else um, we didn't get to bring up in the RNC. I don't know if Mike didn't get to, to bring it up, but I think they had a nun speaking at the RNC. And I saw a tweet and somebody was saying like, yo, if like the church can speak during these things, like they can pay taxes too. You know, I, I, that's how I feel too. I always get into it with, with my family, with my mom on that too like i feel like churches should pay taxes or basically not have a say in in the the political rounds but you know that's a long and short of what i think um but mike yeah so um you brought up trump again uh i said uh during the rnc that they they ignored what was going on with uh like the protests and everything and the violence on friday Campaign mode started. He, point by point, basically is trying to negate the last six months. Uh, he says, don't let them like tear down our history. Uh, Biden, he's just a puppet. Uh, he's being controlled by his masters. Uh, your suburbs are going to be, are going to turn into Portland. Uh, thank me for uh, writing, uh, making a, uh, or pushing out a bill to uh, eliminate low-income housing in suburbs. Uh, he said, you ask somebody who's pro uh, protesting, he didn't say rioting, he's protesting, you, you mentioned the name George Floyd, they don't even know who George Floyd is. So that's completely, like he's trying to, and make everyone in the crowd laughed and everything, and uh, no masks. And he goes, that, this last summer has nothing to do with George Floyd. He, he kept uh, pushing. So uh, I think in the next couple of weeks, he in the next couple of months, he's going to double down on divisive uh, talking points and just create chaos because he thrives in cre uh, chaos. He did that in 2015, 2016, uh, all the way back in 2013 with the, the birther movement. Um, that's his plan. He wants everyone to hate each other so he can stay in power and his family can stay in the White House. And then he wants his kids to take over. So that's what we're doing. Yeah, and just to like back that up on um, the thing with the low-income housing, um, in or or the they don't want um low-income people in the suburbs or whatever. You know what he's talking about. He doesn't want black people in the suburbs, and he talks about the housewives. Obviously, he's talking about white women, um. So he's basically retreading stuff from like Birth of a Nation, D.W. Griffith, like, um, brute, the brute. That's what they would call them, the brute. Uh, yeah, yeah, stuff from a hundred years ago. You know that you know basically us black men, we're gonna take your women because that's always the thing they 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 try to hold up, like, you know, the white purity thing. Um, and then. The thing, too, with the big crowd, I remember we talk about Rudy Giuliani. Like, Rudy Giuliani looks like he was, like, sweating bullets in a big-ass crowd with the, the no masks and, and stuff like that. And, like, you think back to, like, Herman Cain, and it's like, Herman Cain, you, you, you're about to get some company, it looks like. 
after that 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 big ass crowd. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this this been um episode sixteen of Shook Me the Mooney. Um, check out our YouTube channels channel. We got some um videos up, some new videos, um stuff like we haven't this we we haven't posted in the podcast but just you know youtube exclusive videos so if you want to check those out they're um very funny me and mike um joel's gonna be on some in the future um we're gonna work on something also this week and a, a little short um video um but thank everybody for their support keep listening um we're on all these different platforms um youtube youtube Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music. Um, check out our Instagram pages. Um, Shuggy, MFNB, um, with two eyes. Uh, Jr. Ultra. Mike has his personal account, Michael Mooney NY, and he's gonna puke. It's one word. Um, check us out on Twitter. Um, same handles for. Mike, um, and mine is uh, Shuggy Two Necklace. Um, how's it been on show, man? Thanks, guys. All right, I had fun. Thank you. Later, guys. Shug me the Mooney. Shug me the Mooney. Shug me the Mooney. Shug me the Mooney.